Welcome one last time to ARC, a Tolkien podcast. We're on episode 63, covering the entire book, because we're done. We've done all the chapter episodes, so this is uh, our epilogue, conclusion, what have you, sort of to mirror the fact that we had a uh, intro episode to start off the series. We're having a conclusion epilogue uh, to finish things off. Talk about the whole book, reminisce, talk about good times. Uh, with me is Pip. Hello. And I am Charlie. So, Pip, uh, where should we get started? Should we talk about... Uh... Well, maybe let's let's set the stage for what our listeners can expect from, yes. from this episode. We have taken out all the censors. Oh. So, uh, you know, buckle up. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, you know what? This I think this will... We usually... Uh, we have sort of like a presentation mode voice. I think this is kind of be more of a behind-the-scenes look. A bit more casual. Yeah, I'm I'm having a beer. Um, Relax. I'm having a beer. Well, okay. To be fair, we had a beer. I think most episodes anyway. Sure. <laughs> Not but, the last one. No, because you know we what? couldn't because we, we couldn't. were in that recording room at the library and they wouldn't let us bring a beer into the library. Can you believe that? It's hard to believe, but it's true. Puritans. Yeah. So this is. I think this. We're just going to kind of kind of be kind of casual. So if you've ever wanted to have you know a behind the scenes look at how we how we do things then uh well today's today's your lucky day it's not really that behind the scenes though if you're not like seeing us it's true if you want pictures just of us email us, us and we'll send you some pics <laughs> oh god we'll have to keep maybe checking the email after yeah. this is done too just in case yeah it's just in case we're gonna get like so you know how 30 episodes ago we talked about oh email some questions and we so we did that for a little while we got some questions in and we, we were able to take that. some questions people are just I, I i wonder if we'll get emails from people listening to oh in them. the future like it's like a backlog you know, right and they'll yeah. just give us random questions well so you know if anyone who's listening to this right now just to put this episode in place in time um yes we are actually you know perhaps at the beginning of one of the most significant events uh perhaps in our lifetime this is the kind of the start mm. of the coronavirus or the covid19 i think it was outbreak. World War two uh we you know most of this book is allegory for for the coronavirus. For the coronavirus, right? Uh, Sauron is the coronavirus. <laughs> I yeah, um, but yeah. So if you have friends who uh, don't have anything to do or they're not allowed to go outside anymore, this book is free on the internet. Yeah, it's public domain. So and so are, so is the podcast. Is is that even public domain though? Is it like is it legally free? It's fascinating. If you type in the Lord of the Rings text into Google, they come up. You can read. You can read the whole thing free. Is it legally free though? Like, is it public I, domain? I think so. I feel like it shouldn't be, right? Because doesn't Disney get all that stuff extended every like year to? They do. It's, keep it's, Mickey Mouse in there as soon as Mickey Mouse is about to. And that's way older than yeah. Lord of the Rings, so. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Well, yeah. you can well, probably anyway, find it. It's on Google. You could all go find it. We on this I podcast have never done county. anything. <laughs> we on this podcast have never done anything illegal. That's right. Uh, for example, our name has been pristine above the law the entire series <laughs> we did so for those of you who don't know we got a our our name at first was all rings considered um yeah. and then we got uh an email from some npr goons you know those like i got sharks. a whole letter i got a yeah. whole certified mail letter i had to mm-hmm. sign for it and everything you know from those sharks over at npr who yeah. you know believe that a reasonable consumer might think that this is a uh, one of their properties, obviously insane. 
Um, this is just a pun. You'd think they, like, any reasonable consumer would tell from the quality right off the bat. Yeah. This NPR is, is not at NPR. our level. Not even close. Right. I'm, quite frankly, they should be embarrassed that they even thought that they could send us that letter. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Absolutely. Real amateur hour over there at NPR. Here's the other, we, I think we need to warn listeners one more thing about this episode. This is the first episode I think we're recording where I'm in my home and I have a cat. I only got the cat fairly recently you know it's been about three or four months anyway um she is all about this microphone so uh, <laughs> so uh, we've gone full circle to our recording quality has gone yes. from you know bad to good to uh cat it's gonna mic. be bad again <laughs> yeah cats bumping the mic yeah as most cats tend to do she tends to only want to play when i don't want her to that's when she right. says yes time to go uh so she's up on the desk i Anytime I take her off, she just hops back up. And uh, so here we are. We're going to put up with it. She's going to, she's our, she's our last special guest, if you think about it. That's My cat's right. name is Pumpkin. Uh, so she's the, Pumpkin is the last special guest on Lord of the Rings. I asked her what she thought about it, and uh, she said that she really likes The Hobbit. But <laughs> <get into. laughs> the Lord of the Rings. So it's just, you know, so, I, then, so I felt like just owning, disowning her right after that, but. Alas. So you want to talk about this book? or? <laughs> yeah, we got a book to talk about, an entire book to talk about. So um, yeah, let's let's get into it. Um, we finished book six last time, and astute listeners, longtime fans of the pod may have noticed that we did not talk about certain things last episode that you would ex- perhaps have expected us to. Specifically, we did not talk about um, how that chapter was the end of book six. Nor did we right. talk about how that chapter was the end of The Return of the King. And we kind of didn't really talk about how that chapter was the end of The Lord of the Rings. Um, Quality podcast. We really just stayed in the chapter and just took it as it is. Yeah. Um, for, as far as those first two points, you know, that chapter being the end of book six, being the end of The Lord of the Rings, I actually don't think there's two – or excuse me. That chapter being the end of book six, that chapter being the end of The Return of the King, pardon me, um, I don't think there's too much to say there, actually. I, I don't think uh, – Unlike the other chapters that ended the books, there's just not much like to comment as far as like, oh, it's wrapping up just that book. Because it's just not, right? It's just not wrapping up book six. It's not wrapping up the return of the king. Right. It's really just wrapping up the book as a whole. So there's just isn't, I don't think, too much to say on that. Although, feel free to prove me wrong, Pip, or Pumpkin. But as an ending to the whole book, I think maybe, maybe we should start there. Sure. Yeah. What do you think? Is it good ending? Bad ending? I... Satisfying? unsatisfying i actually do like this ending um yeah you know we we talked a lot about i mean you know we had a whole episode on it um but i i do i do like this ending for the book i think that there's you know maybe some attitude out there that uh that oh it, the book should have ended when the the ring was thrown into the the um yeah the fire and I, I think that that is just missing the point right um i think what this book is about, you know, we've talked about many times about how to connect uh, with some of these larger themes in the world that's uh, that are big and maybe behind, you know, beyond you and will be before the, you exist and after you you die um, to find a way to connect with them and bring them into your own life. And that's uh, what we see happening in this sort of the, the end chapter and also like just in book six in general, right? So we see like... Uh, we're leaving sort of the mythical and we're coming back to the Shire. And I think, I mean, that's 
this the most important part. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, just it's just such an important theme that this idea that everything's always in decline, right? So even when we defeat the great evil, um, we can't go entirely back to the way things were uh, because yes. it's sort of the, the arc is toward, the arc of the universe is bending toward decline, I think, in Tolkien's world. So I think you have to have this stuff. I think if you ended with the ring destroyed, if you ended, say, on that chapter of the Field of Cormall and then the hobbits are praised and that's it, you would just, it would feel kind of like an empty story. Too, yeah, that would be so empty. You, you know, you read this whole book with so many themes about the world in decline and the elves leaving. And um, and then it kind of ends with, oh, but wait, don't worry. Everything's going to be great again. Uh, I don't know. It would just go against the spirit of the book. So I am glad we got the ending we got. Uh, I think it's really satisfying. I think, you know, on that note, by the way, Tolkien himself said that if he had to sort of summarize the Lord of the Rings central theme almost in like one word, right? He said it's about death. Right. And I think it's really fitting then that the book ends the way it does with Frodo essentially dying. Uh, again, I know not literally dying in the universe, but for all intents and purposes, thematically dying, go, going to heaven, essentially. Um, it's really important it ends that way. And uh, yeah, I like it a good deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, so it, it reinforces that it makes it real. The, uh, you know, in, in this book, we see, uh, like Gandalf explicitly says, hey, you, um, you're alive. And uh, things aren't going to go necessarily how you want, but you are presented with choices, right? What matters are the choices you make while you're here and you're going to die. And yeah, Frodo does die. Right. Um, Yeah. But so that kind of makes that real in a sense that you're not left with a happy, like, Oh, and then, you know, I like that. Yeah. yeah. It makes it real. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Actually. One of the things I said way back at the beginning of this podcast, something like episode three or four or something like that is that if Lord of the Rings is about what do you do in response to our dying you know our dying universe so to speak then yeah it has to end in order for, to make that real to make those decisions the characters make and the decisions the book's imploring you to make in the face of that in order for them to really hit home there's got to be stakes there's got to be consequences um, and you have to really commit to that idea that yeah the universe is in decline slash dying whatever you want to say uh and have some character lose some characters <laughs> so to speak uh, maybe even your main character as right. it does so yeah i think it's important too it's a very satisfying ending to me and i think uh so many fantasy series apparently have struggled with this uh, a lot of people complain about game of thrones i didn't watch game of thrones so i don't know what that ending is but uh people struggle with that apparently um i did harry watch potter it, i feel like was kind of mixed right harry potter gets kind of mixed reviews am i am i wrong on that are people do people feel good about harry potter i've actually not really keyed into the harry potter universe i don't know what do people think uh, about that one so people people tend to like so I'm, I mean, this is a pop culture rich episode i suppose um yeah, oh, be, i think people feel like harry potter is similar to they do in the office uh where the there's some patchy parts in towards the late ending but then the very the very end people like the very yeah that's true yeah so i i think and people like that i mean so harry potter um harry has this this dying sort of experience and he he talks with his uh you know his mentor and he gets to see dumbledore again and i think there um i mean this isn't a harry potter podcast but i think that ending uh closer to the end dealt with more sort of um kind of re-entered the fantasy genre and got people more interested in like what was possible in that world whereas i think for a lot of uh that ending kind of was um 
like didn't spark the imagination as much, but was more kind of a. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop talking about Harry Potter. Actually. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, Thank you for clarifying it wasn't Harry Potter podcast, yeah. by the way. I guess everybody's confused. This is um, uh, all rings key or arc. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, wait, wait, were you saying on that last bit? Were you saying that the Harry Potter ending did? sort of trigger the imagination yes or yeah i think it kind of were you saying lord of the rings didn't no oh no as in no you weren't saying that i was not saying that you were not okay okay i mean i don't think that's the worst thing you could say about it. i was just clarifying yeah um okay cool all right okay so some fantasy series have ended well fine whatever i do think this is a particular satisfying ending <laughs> and it's not one i often hear too many complaints about uh except maybe again the sort of the length of that ending but uh, and that's even that's a minority. I think most people are pretty okay with. I think if you've uh, actually read the book and you've gotten this far, most people uh, are moved by the ending. Yeah, if you get to the ending, I, and this is a interesting point. I actually know multiple people who just won't finish Lord of the Rings, which is interesting to me. My brother got way into Return of the King, and then just didn't finish it, which is crazy to me. And then, um, sorry for calling you out, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> His name's Tucker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he His email address crazy is... I have another friend who says she won't finish it because she would be too sad if she finished it. So she, mm-hmm. I think she deliberately leaves the last chapter. Not all unread, tears are evil, Charlie. Interesting. Yeah, well, she's missing that message because it was in the <laughs> last answered. chapter. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I just find it interesting. Um, I've got a question for you. Um Yeah. In terms of how people in general kind of like talk about this book, we kind of live in a time where there's this sort of like hot take sort of culture where, Absolutely, I mean, yeah. yeah. So I think one of, the, one of the hot takes that people take is that Sam is actually the main character. And I think, you know, like it's a little bit silly because um, there is no main, like that's not a true thing that you can discover. Like, oh yeah, actually the main the real main character like it's not right. really secret main it's, character it's yeah. secret main character i found it and that's this is a true thing or it's <laughs> true or false right like right uh but i mean you know beneath that sort of thing there there's kind of this interesting like sam you can look at this book from that perspective and it's that's interesting um to say like oh like is this this is a story of sam um or looking at you know in this weave of stories look at sam's story mm. um yeah, I think it's interesting because you end like Sam is the character at the end, right? And he is. Yeah, he, he was a ring bearer, and you like his choices are some of the more pivotal choices. And I don't know. I think uh, like what do you what do you think about that? He's the most sympathetic character too, right? I think he's the most relatable. Yeah, we are in his head more than we are any other characters. I think, right? Because books one and two, I was mostly in Frodo's, mm-hmm. but then I feel like. Okay, so maybe Frodo in the end might actually get more sort of ink spilled in his own head, potentially, right, if books one and two add up to yeah. that, um, possibly. But it definitely shifts into Sam come book four. Those two definitely outnumber the other characters who do get significant time in the spotlight themselves in books three, five, and six uh, as well. But the Frodo Sam so is going to outweigh them. We end with Sam. I don't know if it's a question of main character. I think Frodo... And Sam are the two main characters, essentially. Sam is maybe the sort of the truest hero of the story mm. in a lot of ways. 
at the very least he's the sure. most relatable like there there is so much about what frodo does that's almost like most people aren't going to be in that kind of situation yeah but most people then can feel like they've been in a sam like situation it's right supporting helping yeah um making the choices you talked about all right how to best help how to best continue how to in in the face of grief or overwhelming odds or something like that so i think i don't know i'm not willing to say sam is a secret main character but uh, i would say you could argue he's the true hero of the story okay sure at least in the end yeah it's interesting that the book is big enough though that it is inconsistent there it is not like sam is relatively minor in books one and two and that's got to be called out right he's just is um he gets as much talked about him in books one and two as mary and pippin seem to mm-hmm. right yeah it, it doesn't take off until book four there um for whatever it's worth uh so that's that's dramatic uh, I, I like that though i think there it's nice that there's like the more i think this reading i, I see the book as like something woven together yeah right like you you have sort of high myth and like like high and like uh more relatable like hobbits like woven together you have like like mm-hmm. themes right but also just the characters like you get frodo and then then you somewhere kind of in the middle you work sam is now like a uh, uh a character where you actually see his thoughts right mm-hmm. i wonder if you could do some kind of ring theory analysis of the lord of the rings i wonder if someone's done that i should have looked shoot i just had the thought though Right, because the novel both starts and ends with an older hobbit going away, mm. sort of leaving things to a younger hobbit. Um, and the yeah. Shire's put to right and stuff, and both beginning and end. Yeah, yeah, there's like an overlap of these these narratives, right? Yeah, there's yeah, there's an interesting sort of chain of inheritance, but the whole thing to a Bilbo to Frodo to Sam, uh, that might be happening with that sort of transition in book four is Sam's point of view. Um, so yeah. So book as a whole, I, I know like this read through actually it was super weird for for a well, I guess I could just say rare, right? Like it's rare that I spend this much time with a book. Um Yeah, we're we're well over two years, folks. Yeah. Uh, and your just, listeners might know that. Yeah, we are <laughs> Usually uh, I read a two bit years quicker. In some months. Uh yeah. you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah. how like I mean I know for me, but like uh, like what was what was that like for you, Charlie, my good sir? Yes. Um, so it was very different, right? To sit here and sit with a book for two years, some change, bit by bit, chunk by chunk, every week, two weeks, three weeks, however long it was we'd be recording uh, to record an episode. Boy, does that cause you to look at a book differently, right? Sort of subsurface level thoughts on that. One, it, caught, it, it, value, it changed my opinion on things. I've talked about this in our episodes back in book three. I talked about my opinion of book three. Um growing dimmer in my opinion mm-hmm. book four as we talked about then it increased doing it this way so i enjoyed book four a lot more in this format than book three and i talked about the difference of when you're reading book three just straight through uh quickly you don't notice that book three has a lot of low moments in the narrative um but when you do it chunk by chunk you notice those because you have to stay with them for a week <laughs> right um and so my opinion got a lot less whereas book four really rewards that careful sort of slow rumination if you're just plowing through book four you're going to be like uh, walking whatever let's go let's go let's go let's go um and you're not going to have to sit there and think about all the things tolkien's doing and saying uh and so book four in my opinion increased so there is stuff like that there's stuff i just never noticed that uh came up this time um 
we'll talk about that in a bit because I, I do want to ask that as a specific question of like, what did you notice this time that you have in your previous readings? So I'll save that for a minute. Um, okay. A minute, but um, there's also the thoughts of thinking about how this book relates to your life as you're going through these things, right? I mean, my life has changed in two and a, two years, yes. right? As I think, yeah. I mean, yours definitely has even more. I mean, at least I haven't really moved or anything. I've kind of been in the same place and the same job, but I've had a lot of different other changes in my life. And yet I've had this to read this chapter of this book every uh, week as I've gone through that. And there were parts of it that the timing of it was really nice. Yeah. Maybe I was, I remember there was at least one time when I was really struggling and really depressed and we were reading... I talked about this at the time too, the Council of Elrond chapter. I talked about how we were reading that and there was this line about uh, we can't call this despair unless we know the ending beyond all doubt and we don't. Mm. And, you know, get into that and be thinking like, wow, that's, you know, maybe that's a, that's a line I miss if I'm reading this at another time. But there are plenty of chapters that I'm reading where I wonder if I didn't see things. Oh, you wonder if you miss something because of the different uh, circumstances that you're reading. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, what if I read through the whole book when I was, say, depressed? What would I have seen that I didn't see this time? Vice versa, what if I read through the whole book when I didn't have any, like, bouts of depression or something like that, or, or tough situations in life, or whatever it is, what did I miss? So uh, it's kind of funny to think about that. But Yeah, you know, and that's kind of interesting, because it's kind of a cross, like, so in my mind, there's there's reading the book for this long, like, spending this much time with it, and which has, you know, did change my reading of it too. And then I think there's doing the podcast. Like this podcast, mm. that's also something that's really kind of changed how I look at the book because, well, I mean, like I'm preparing to talk about it, right? So I, th yeah. I think I think for me, the, big, the biggest thing that changed in my reading, I think I appreciated like maybe two things. One, I appreciated the structure a little more, I think. Okay. Um, so I think... It was since I had time to think about, oh, how does this chapter fit in with this book, fit in with this half of the book, fit in with this, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, and then there's also making the, the podcast itself. I think I, I had time. I had more time to spend with the prose and that made that made uh, that made certain things more vivid. Like this read through, yeah. I think Lothlorien was way more magical for me than previously because mm. i think like previously i was just kind of like like let's see when when is the like the biggest description of lothlorian chapter um it's in book two yeah i think at that point i was just kind of like at that point you like you're picking up some speed right like like yeah. i think like you're 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 picking you're getting some momentum right you're like oh wow there's like ganoff did this amazing thing and there was in a land of the dwarves and like you know there's there goblins about and and you're kind of getting to uh, you're picking up some speed, and I, but I, I, taking it slowly, like Lothlorien, the Mallorn trees. Like I don't know. I think that that uh, location seemed more more beautiful to me. Yeah, I and I was gonna say that about the prose too. That I had to focus on a lot more this time because of of course trying to identify our favorite lines. And I also had a similar experience of some locations being more vivid this time around. For me, it wasn't Lorien, but it was um that was the case for places like the Dead Marshes mm. and places like Ithilien right outside Mordor. Yeah. Those places really stuck out to me this time a lot more than previous readings. What was what was the most vivid for you, you think? The most vivid yeah. it was like I think it's called the is it the Moranin? That would be the region between the Dead Marshes and the Black Gate. I might be okay. wrong on that name, but 
uh, the region between the Dead Marshes and the Black Gate. I don't remember if it's the Moranin. Moranin's either inside the Black Gate or outside of it. I don't remember. Um, the outside part of it, though. I thought it was very vivid this time around. The Dead Marshes themselves. Right. Um, yeah, as well. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you there 100%. For me, I think the uh, the Crossroads. Yes, yes. The Crossroads specifically, that one spot to me, uh, I guess like previous readings, I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, we're getting close to Mordor or whatever. But mm-hmm. the Crossroads this time hit me really hard. Like, yeah, I can see it in my head um and and the the stone head with the yes you know the flowers on top um that's that, actually i'm that, really glad you said that i think yeah. it's a perfect segue to what i was going to say i think it's really on brand actually because i was just going to say you know let's talk about what the themes mm. uh you noticed this time around that you didn't notice in previous readings um and i can go first on that because similar to this idea of places sticking with you i avoided saying one place that stuck with me which is specifically faramir's hideout in Ithilien. With the window on the west. Okay. Man, that was a lot more visually stunning to me this time around. Really stayed with me because of that theme that I never somehow missed in all my previous readings where they do their sort of prayer when they see the sunset through the waterfall. And that's yeah. that's the window on the west. Yeah. So they see the sunset there. And then, you know, they talk about Numenor that was, Elvenholm that is, and what's beyond Elvenholm that ever will be. And then the sunsets uh and it's this great reminder of temporality i suppose right and and that again the overall thesis of the dying universe but also that overall thesis of you know our universe is dying but there is actually something out there that that endures and and uh we talked about that so much in our book four episodes go back to those lesson folks um and then we we close the loop on it so to speak in it's like book six chapter two if you want to see that theme get talked about again as well but yeah, that whole location, that whole theme coming up this time, that emphasis in book four on, on temporality right. uh, in all its uh, aspects um, was something I just never really noticed that much of before. I mean, I noticed it with places like Lorien and stuff, but to see it as such a central point of book four, it's, it's not only in the window of the West, it's on the crossroads. That's why I thought right. that was a perfect segue. It's expensive, right? right? Like it really is. Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, you get it in, um, uh, I particularly enjoyed our uh what you had to say about um the uh uh shoot um it's um the hobbit company in book one where they're going to Mm. uh uh downs uh where they see the the, um the uh runes that are kind of like teeth through the yeah waypoints yeah Yeah. um which is like a a forgotten old you know remnants Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the ones i yeah, and just to recap for the listeners, the argument there was that I was trying to make was that they're, they're creepy because waypoints like that are supposed to be helpful to travelers, and so it was a like inversion of what they're supposed to do. And um, but they were remnants, right, of of a creepy ancient society, or you're not ancient, but you know, like they were remnants of a something in the past, right? Yes, and and, and the whole book's filled with those too, of course, right. right? Especially in book one. But yeah, but but yeah. So so any themes though that you picked up this time that you didn't notice maybe previous readings. So you know, I did. I I mentioned in the intro episode that you know perhaps I like thought of a main theme of this book as kind of like an argument against utilitarianism. Yeah. Um, and I think to be honest, I said that kind of academically. Um, okay. But I like 
reading it this time, like have like with that in mind, I saw it much more than I expected. So maybe similar to mm. like what you're describing where you knew like, okay, yeah, like this book is kind of like has those themes through it, but to really like notice how prevalent that, um, that idea is here. Um, some of the things like I, I noticed this time, um, Denethor being such a, a good representation of, um, how knowledge you don't, you don't actually know, right. Is kind of the idea, right? Like you, so Denethor, uh, is trying to make a uh, maybe in his mind a utilitarian choice, right? Like that, um, because he sees the you know his doom, and um, yeah. he's using the palantir, which is you know like he's mm-hmm. he has real knowledge. He actually knows facts, right? He sees the the ships on on the uh, the with the black sails, right? And he that's true that he those are coming, and so he thinks like because of his knowledge that he knows he can make uh, you know a. Um, uh, a calculation of his utility function and kind of do the best thing, right? That he thinks, right, for himself. Um, but he's wrong, right? Like, so that, you know, I think what Tolkien is saying here is that you don't actually, like, I mean, he's arguing specifically, like, God is going to help. If you do, if you do quote, you know, the moral yeah. right thing, then God will, will set things correct. Um, but I think some of the other arguments he makes are also good, uh, can, you know, for people who are, you know, not theists, which is that uh, you you don't actually know uh, the necessarily the choices you're making, like the outcomes of the choices you're making. Um, yeah. And like take like what you just said uh, about the uh, the quote from the council chapter where Elrond, the wisest, um, one of the wisest characters, says, "Oh, and we we actually we just don't know what's going to happen." So I think it's Gandalf who says that actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. See, and I don't even yeah. know what characters are talking. So. <laughs> There's so much I don't know. Um. <laughs> this episode 63, folks, by the way. And we're it's just a... now. Gandalf uh... <laughs> is the characters. wizard. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there there was much more of a... Um, I don't know. I noticed more the uh, the emphasis on locally choose what's uh what you believe is correct and uh don't try to optimize your consequences mm-hmm. like don't try to optimize your outcomes uh, try to do what you think is correct um yeah i do think that's a big theme in tolkien's in in the book itself too right and just uh one more piece of evidence there is i think the the criticism of saruman is part of that as well right absolutely uh, yeah yeah he he's able to do a lot of things with this industry but the book roundly says that in the end it was the wrong choice uh, for all the things he was able to accomplish. He lost a lot doing so. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what was – I was thinking more about the the temporal mm-hmm. – when you mentioned Saruman, I was thinking, oh, you know what? Uh, the watch over Saruman is also – was not forever, <laughs> right? The, um, right? Uh, when the Ents were tasked with keeping watch over him to keep him in his tower, they said, well, we can do that for a little while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know um yeah i mean i think i think it's it just seems to come up with almost everything in the book you know what i'm saying yeah uh it is partially just to recap that is part of why i was wondering last episode if the ending is even darker than it comes across as right like if sam's feelings were darker than you know one might assume yeah just in the sense of just in the sense of you know, is what he goes back to knowing that it's also going to end too. Is that like that much of a comfort? I think in the end, I still say yes. Right. Yeah, totally. But it did, 
come to mind, right? I think we talked through that last episode, yeah. but I will say just, I get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah, but but given how uh, prevalent that theme is in the book, you know, it, you can't help but one, you know, at least think about the possibility. Um, especially since we're just not letting to Sam's head much from that point on, which is interesting. Um, so as far as the book as a whole, then I think then this is the, the last thing I want to say personally, at least, um, if you have more, go for it. But the last thing or sort of question I have for you is I want to do that same exercise that I alluded to earlier when I said that Tolkien could sort of summarize the th- message of the book or the theme of the book rather in one word. He said it was death. Mm. Uh, if you had to do the same thing, I don't necessarily say you have to limit it to one word, but if you had to do the same thing, what's the central argument or thesis or message or theme, take your pick, of The Lord of the Rings as a book? What What is it? As briefly as you can. As brief as you can. Uh, I will say concerning hobbits. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I'm going to let you go, since you might have thought about this before. <laughs> oh, and did then... I not put this in the questions for you? <laughs> I might not have. I apologize. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't. Whoops. Yes, because I do read your messages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you do. Um, okay, so I actually would just um, agree with Tolkien. I think that is the theme. I, I know that's a cop-out. I'm sorry. Readers, I'm uh, making a face. <laughs> yeah, he's disgusted. But it is. I think the message of the or the overall theme of the book is death and how to um, how do you respond to death? Yeah, um, I don't think you can outdo the master here. Let's all go with that. You, Fair enough. You, you, Tolkien, and I are all in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> it says something. Tolkien agrees. All with three us. of us. Yeah. <laughs> For what it's worth, uh, our old friend Travis. I don't know if he's still. You know, would argue to not, but still out there he used to, <laughs> but he used to say that he thought you could summarize it with the word hope, which I think is interesting. Yes, um, I think as, also that is good. Well. Yeah, it's a good one. I do like that one too. Yeah, I think both work. So, do, do you, what are you? What are your favorite? What are your favorite moments? My favorite moments. Yeah, like this. This yeah. right there. What, what? What's like? Maybe pick out. Let's go mm. through. Let's do this. Let's go through book. Each book. Pick out book, favorite, book, book. Fa- favorite chapter each book. Favorite chapter each book? Hold yeah. on, I'm getting table contents open here. Hold up. All right, let's start. Book one. <clears throat> favorite, book one. Favorite, uh, favorite chapter. Favorite chapter? I think I think it might be Strider. Okay. That's so interesting to me. We talked about this in the episode. Yeah. But it's interesting that your favorite moment in Lord of the Rings, at least prior to this podcast, was happens in chapter 12 of book one. But even in that episode, you said, oh, it's not my favorite chapter. It's just yeah. that moment. Oh, yeah. It's so weird to me, though. By how far, it be, my how favorite. Can it, yeah. How can it have your favorite? I don't know. Maybe it might be. It's uh, Chapter book one is so full of good moments. Um, it really is. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe what I'm saying is this read through, I got the most out of Strider, chapter 10, Strider, that I did not okay. expect. Like maybe that was, that was a, um, marginally better. Like, although mm-hmm. I do think I appreciated Tom Bombadil much more this time. Like, having someone to talk yeah. about with it, I think, is nice. Okay, nice. But, yeah, I mean, you I mean, did... What, what specifically happened in Strider that you I I loved? think I just... I liked the atmosphere. I think... Okay. I think the... 
the atmosphere, the like, I don't know, the description of like Gandalf's mark. Like it's it's one of the times in the book where you see like something that's not not Roman English letters, right? Like you you actually get okay. a, a drawing of you like Gandalf's mark. I don't know. I think that just like. I don't have a great answer. <laughs> I was not prepared for that question. Um, I, I, you weren't prepared for the most obvious follow-up question. In the I, world. Thought, I thought I oh, would go, and then why? You, you, you would go. <laughs> um, no, I just I, I think uh, that just like kind of like the um, the anticipation in the narrative, mm. right? Like that's when you get some description of uh, uh, of the main villain right like the evil is uh named right like i don't think actually sauron is uh 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 maybe he is um what is sauron mentioned but anyway like you you uh or at least alluded to right like the um that there there's something um malicious out there and this is kind of like a like the the waiting moment before you get a couple of those actually in this book with the um uh, conspiracy unmasked in the old forest too uh i don't know yeah i liked it love it hey yeah. um my favorite chapter then in book one it says this is a tough book to pick one in by the way totally uh but i'm gonna go with bangers company okay it's full of bangers it's, it's full, full of bangers. bangers you don't skip a track in this book um but but chapter three three's company um, here. So, because uh, the hiking and the so, nature and the walking. Whoa, whoa you just <laughs> dive right in without even letting me ask. I was going to say. <laughs> Fine, excuse me, Philip. So so why do you like Three's Company? <laughs> be specific um, with quotes. <laughs> I didn't tell you to be specific. Um, I, I'm not going to be specific, but I like it because of the descriptions of walking and hiking. And it sounds like my ideal life and... Um, my ideal kind of hike and stuff so that's why i like it great <laughs> uh, uh see how easy i could how easily i could answer that question book two book two fine um book two how about you go um my favorite chapter in book two uh i think is uh, the ringo south and again i think the prose in the Ringo South was just, they, it really stood out. And uh, and you have a nice little song in uh, kind of the middle of this chapter. Yeah, prose is good. I want to pause you right there. My cat tore my headphones out of my ear. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear a single thing you just said. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? You're going to have to wait, listen wait, to Should the... I ask you to repeat? Oh, yeah. That's, no, I was you just... to say, maybe I can just listen back to yeah, it. Yeah, so I you listen back to it. Online. Um, uh, I'm excited. Now I have was... no idea what your favorite chapter in <laughs> book two is. <laughs> so is yours. All I caught was at the end that there's a song in the middle. <laughs> doesn't help. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay, well, I'll find that out later. Um, my favorite chapter is The Breaking of the Fellowship. Okay. Uh, you can um, hear my enthusiasm for that chapter in our uh, episode on it as well. But I love the that decision for us to make. I think it's very moving. I yeah. think this question of what is the breaking of the fellowship what does that mean is really important i guess it's a very moving question for me i love how the chapter title plays its own kind of role in this and is almost involved in the text in a way that other chapter titles aren't we right. talked about in that episode that's the first time that the company is called a fellowship is in the chapter title of it yeah um and we talked about maybe that connection how all of a sudden it gets used that way only in this context of breaking so I, I think that's really cool, and I just think it's a 
great chapter. Boromir has so many cool moments in that chapter as he tries to take the ring from Frodo. Yeah, um, um, in it's very similar to what you're saying, the breaking of the fellowship, and then you recognize what it is. It's like living something and then recognizing it's a story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, book three. What do you have for book three? Book three, um, book three is a little weak, in my opinion. I will pick uh, The Departure of Boromir. I love that moment. Okay. Yeah. That's a great chapter. Yeah. We had a good time with that chapter, too, in the episode, I remember. Yeah. Uh, talking about, like, Boromir, how he conquered and stuff. Uh, mine is The King of the Golden Hall. Nice. Super fun chapter to analyze. I liked it better this time around. I remember thinking, oh, it's just fun to analyze when we did this podcast. But then in doing so, I ended up really enjoying the chapter. And you, you have a lot of knowledge lot this time. like about the connecting, I don't want to say etymology, but maybe that's appropriate for um, the Rohirrim. Yeah, I think so. And so I think that enriches our, you know, both your experience and all of our readers' experiences. Oh, well, thank you. That's <laughs> <laughs> you to say book four let's go book favorite four chapter. um favorite chapter of book four uh book four probably the window on the west yeah that's a good pick i'm torn i'm really torn right here it's either window on the west for me or passage of the marshes pa- passage of the marshes is so visceral passage it really is that it's visceral you feel it window on the west though has the themes that i'm that i love yeah if i had to pick between the two hmm Hmm. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Passages of the Marshage. Here's here's why. To me it's the chapter I would show people who tell me that Tolkien doesn't know how to write. Okay. You know what I mean? That that's chapter I'd break out and say in really? Bo- in like, book can four. you honestly read this? In oh, book four, can okay, you, yeah. yeah. Can you honestly read this? But maybe in the whole book too, by the way. I mean, mm. you know, it's at least a candidate. Uh but can you honestly read that and tell me this guy doesn't know how to write? This yeah. is one of the because that is yeah, absolutely. such a bizarre criticism that I hear that I genuinely don't just can't fathom. Yeah, that's it's so well written. I mean, it's no. I think you know, it's no secret that when we read some of these criticisms, we are suggesting perhaps that um, these people actually have not read the book. <laughs> right. I mean, I like honestly, I, I I know people who like I know at least one person who has read The Lord of the Rings and did not like it. That's fine, yeah. and sure, some books people like different things, but there's a lot of people who like pretend to have read stuff. Yes. Um. um Remind me to come back to that topic. I will. All uh, right. Because I have more to say on that uh, <laughs> in a minute. Uh, book five, though. Let's book, book, book five. Book five. You know, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say um, the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Mm-hmm. Okay. I kind of just have to agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I almost think it's, that's probably the chapter just every person would pick if they read the this book right it's a it's, it's exciting which king eowyn it's a big single you know aragorn arrives yeah this is the hit single and yeah, yeah i think it's al- it's almost obvious i this is a weak book though it's hard for it me is to i think it's looking like a little yeah okay and then book six book six wow i think it's either it's either the first or second it's either the first or second chapter in the book um the tower of, of kirith ungol or mm-hmm. land of the shadow and I think it might be the land of shadow. Uh, I'd have to. I'd have to check. Um, I'd have to reread both of those to maybe choose. But I think it's land of shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually mine too. Land of shadow is my favorite moment in the book as a whole. So I gotta give that my favorite chapter. Yeah, Mordor uh, is no. just overpower. Like it is something that uh, stays in your mind. Um, like out of all the things in this book that that really just are like in are such vivid 
things that on, on which all other readings like of different books like are judged right mordor yeah uh like we were talking about this a little bit before like mordor it's hard you, you, it's the it's gold the standard st- it's the standard it's the standard yeah. of bad place <laughs> uh, yeah you know what you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go with the tower the tower of kirith uncle this is a true main character <laughs> it's a tower <laughs> Is the Tower of Fear Thuggle. What a hot take. <laughs> you know what? Give me access to the internet. I'm going to go tell people. <laughs> the internet must know. All right. So favorite um, guests. Um, rank the guests. Yeah. So let's let's list our guests first. Well, we only had three. <laughs> Plus Pumpkin. <laughs> Plus Pumpkin. Pumpkin's my least favorite, I can assure you right now. Oh, well, our rankings are different. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can tell. <laughs> Uh okay, first let's let's list our guest names. We had Dennis. That's right. We had Dennis on. Yeah, Council. That was book two, chapter two, Council of Elrond. That's right. Yeah, uh, Dennis. He, just so everybody knows, Dennis is not like qualified to talk about this book. He's <laughs> literally just a friend of ours that <laughs> we just wanted to Skype with. And just, We're like, not really just... sure that he knows how to read. Uh, but <laughs> well, he did. He pulled it off. Uh... He pulled it off. <laughs> Surprised us both. <laughs> Maybe he listened to an audiobook. <laughs> All right, the second guest we had uh, Becky Strapalon, Book okay. Five, Chapter Six. Uh, she's a PhD student, PhD candidate. I think she's ABD at this point. If I'm wrong, Becky, don't kill me. Um, in English, so she knows what she's talking about. Okay. Yeah, uh, she talked a lot about Awen. That's kind of why I brought her on because I knew she would know a lot of the medieval parallels that are present in that chapter. Yeah, so I mean the whole Rohirrim are kind of very like that's yeah, yeah, and then the last guest was Luke Chambers. Okay, um, for chapter six, many partings. Uh, Luke is also a PhD candidate. I also think he's ABD. Uh, he is a published author on Tolkien, though. We brought him on because he had an article uh, releasing right then in Tolkien Studies for that month, which is a journal uh, about the ends and a about the ends in that chapter so uh wow so perfectly timed and so luke and becky both are working on phds in like related topics did dennis have like a uh like a i don't know some sort of graduate expertise on you know, I, I think he does <laughs> he, he, has, he has a graduate degree in fucking things <laughs> up <laughs> wow but you know even then i would say pumpkin is doing a better job <laughs> Oh, let me, t- let me tell you who's the best at fucking things up is punk. It's <laughs> already evident. Dennis is right below tearing out my headphones. <laughs> and that's that's just the time she's successful. The number of times, dear listeners, that you can't see me fighting her off. <laughs> her off this desk if she doesn't bump in the microphone. Take my headphones. Whatever she wants to do. Yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> still not to... as annoying as Dennis, but you know. <laughs> suffice to say, we had some we had some real excellent guests. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we I'm had... not going to rank them. This isn't fair. They're all so good. Yeah, except Dennis. It's... <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, unrankable. Cool. Uh, cool. We got to rank the books themselves. That's right. Uh, your I know your ranking changed. Ranking change this time. Yeah, we should talk yeah. about that. Yeah, before this podcast, I would have said book three is my favorite. I think I would have gone three, two, one, six, four, five. Okay. 
Let's say that one more time, just so it was clear. Three, two, one, six, four, five would have been my ranking before this podcast. Okay. Was my ranking very different this time around? Here, so here's my ranking now. Essentially, I think of it as two clusters, like that, like a high tier and a low tier. Okay. So there's high tier, and I thought this is a hard order for me to pick. Basically, if you're in the same tier together, I think you're pretty close together, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, it's my high tier, very close together. You could almost swap any of these three, and I wouldn't really argue you know yeah um but currently i would go two one four that's the high tier two one four interesting i effectively think those are about equal if you you know if you make me pick i'm gonna go two one four i think right now but uh they're both they're all three of those i think are really strong really good um have a lot going on two is just two is the classic two is usually what people i think think of when they think of lord of the rings yeah. right it's yeah, the, yeah. The, the journey the company together and the different environments and moria and lothlorian and you know, there's a great pace to it and all these different exotic locations and it's just a lot of fun. It's like high adventure. Uh, book one has the the hiking that I love. It's got the creepiness of the Nazgul. Uh, it's a really cool atmospheric, atmospheric book. It gets unfairly hated, I think, by people. Maybe not unfairly hated. I guess I can see why people would not like it. <laughs> it's. I think if you're expecting Lord of the Rings to be book two, which is how most people would approach it, they're going to expect book two. Yeah. To get book one first is like, what was this? What, <laughs> what am I reading? Uh, yeah, is this a fantasy book? Like, what is this? It's just not what it's supposed to be. So I, I guess it's not unfairly hated, but it is hated on by people. I think it's beautiful, brilliant, uh, love it. And then book four, also unfairly hated upon. This one is unfairly hated on, actually. Excuse me. Book one might be fairly hated on by people who just don't expect it. Book four, though, no excuse. People who hate on book four are just being lazy. I think. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, Book four is the one that gets the sort of, oh, it's just walking. Oh, it's just two hours walking, blah, blah, blah. It's a slog. No, it's not. Read the text, right? The amount of beautiful imagery that's going on here, the amount of thematic depth that's happening here in book four. No, this is a fantastic part of the of the whole book. And yeah, it earns my earns a spot in the high tier. Right. Um, low tier, uh, three and six. Interesting. Three okay. and six. Maybe this isn't low. Maybe this should just be like mid-tier, I guess. Maybe I should go high, mid, low. Yeah, let's do that. High, mid, low. This is mid-tier. Three and six. Three and six has some of the best moments in the entire novel. Mm-hmm. But they're very inconsistent as books. Three is incons- inconsistent sort of in quality of its chapters, right? There are just some chapters that are just kind of slow <laughs> and and tough to get through. Um, not a lot of thematic depth going on. Not a lot of great writing going on. Just kind of some weird stuff. Go back and look at book three for stuff like The White Rider, The Road to Isengard. It's just kind of like, bleh, Yeah. Bleh. Um, but its good moments are so good. The King of the Golden Hall, The Voice of Saruman, uh, Treebeard as a character is so interesting. A lot of cool stuff. Rohan is just a fantastic locale. So great stuff in book three, but a lot of just weak stuff too. Right. So it's, it's mid-tier for me. Book six, I would say the same. Uh, I'd rank it under three though because... Book six is such an interesting sort of hodgepodge miscellany of stuff, right? Like, it's the only book that doesn't seem coherent. No, that's not the right word. Sorry. Wow. Cohesive. It's the only book that doesn't seem cohesive uh, compared to the other ones. I think rightfully so. I don't think it needed to be, but it still has my favorite moment in the whole novel comes in book six with Sam seeing the star in Mordor. Right. You have a great ending. So there's a lot of good stuff here in book six, but just like book three, there's also a lot of stuff that's kind of like, eh. Eh, like the field of Cormallen. That's a weak chapter. That might be my least favorite chapter of the book. Okay. It's the field of Cormallen. So, you know, yeah. And finally, my low tier would be book five. 
uh, I just don't vibe with the style of book five. I get what he's doing. He's trying to be like, I'm going to make like an epic. So book five is the epic. Yeah. Right. And it's deliberately written archaic language to match the Gondorians and it's battles. It's like reading the Iliad or something. Actually, I love the Iliad and I don't love book five. I just, eh, mm. eh. I there's, uh, think there's just not it. enough there, in my opinion. Yeah. Because I, I also agree. I have book five last. I have my total ranking official as of this date. Two, oh. one, six, four, three, five. Wow, we're, we're pretty close then. Yeah. I, you just have six a lot higher than I do. Yeah. Uh, did you also have book one second? I did, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I, six is just kind of like, it's kind of my, my jam. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So, I do, that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, I love that it's changed for me, you know, doing it this way. Uh, really changed my perspective on that, but. Yeah. And, and um, so, your favorite moment in Lord of the Rings is, uh, when Sam is seeing the star. Um, yes. My favorite moment in Lord of the Rings, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, is chapter 12, Flight to the Ford. Uh, or flight to the board, rather, and uh, when Frodo is uh, makes it across the river and confronts the Nazgul. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, it's almost time. It's to I have a few final various thoughts. Oh, I got so much about the book left. as a whole. <laughs> uh, well, I just mean they're just not yeah. organized. So yeah, you know, here's what I'm I'm gonna go on this. Okay. Uh, we talked in this podcast about this book being a masterpiece. Yes. I really feel that going into the, this book is such a masterpiece. And I just want to unpack some of the reasons why. We've spent a lot of time actually talking about what are the themes of this book? Oh, how is it beautifully written? We haven't talked enough about um, why is it good? I almost feel like it's self-evident. Well, if we have all these themes to analyze and discuss, then it's good, right? If we have all this beautiful writing, then it's good. But maybe we should just say that explicitly. Like, yeah, let's do it. These make it a great book. <laughs> it has really interesting in-depth themes that it explores thoughtfully and carefully for a long period of time. The book is, I think, though, good or a masterpiece rather. Not just good, right? It, it is a masterpiece. For a reason I said way back in our introduction episode. So I want to circle back to that here. And one thing I said in the introduction episode is that the book is weird. It is weirder, yeah. I think, than both its critics and its fans give it credit for because I think it's weirdness is why it's great. So I want, I want to quote somebody here. C.S. Lewis reviewed The Fellowship of the Ring when it came out uh, as its own standalone volume. And he used a phrase that I think is one of the neatest phrases I've heard to describe this book. It's the most accurate, I think. He said that it was lightning from a clear sky. I love that phrase. Think yeah, about that for a minute. That's pretty what he's saying here is that it is lightning. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's... it's it's scary almost uh but i mean it's stunning right but it's from a clear sky it shouldn't be there the book is weird you're not it's not supposed to be here with us now and in a lot of senses lewis was referring to sort of the time period he felt like the book was very from a from an age that didn't quite mesh with where where they were in the 1950s you know much to lewis's chagrin right he was he was a pretty conservative guy right culturally right and, and so he was blah, blah, blah. he didn't really like what was going on in the 50s and he liked that tolkien felt a little more old-fashioned uh so to speak i don't think you need to take it in that way though like the phrase works no matter what the book is just not what any you would expect at all it all it always defies your expectations i love that about it the whole format is weird it's a novel 
but it's a myth at the same time. Yes. And it's a myth told in the format of a novel. And what ends up happening then when you do it that way is you have this novel that's endlessly applicable. Like when I think of my other favorite novels, uh, just to throw out a couple here, Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. I love that book. Um, I love uh, Of Human Bondage by W. Somerset Mom, I think is a great novel. I actually love that uh, a lot. Um, it's hokey, but I really like Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Um, these are some of my favorite novels and stuff. I don't think, though, that they are as applicable to life in general as Lord of the Rings. So we were able to sit here and have a discussion about how this book meant different things to us reading it this time than previous times. I had that point earlier I was making about, oh, I wonder how, what different things I would get out of it if I read it all straight through in one mood yeah. versus reading yeah. straight through another mood, all these different things. That's not really the case for those books. Like those books have specific things they're saying that just are. Like they're just – um, I can't apply it to everything in my life. I can't apply it to my life holistically right um yeah I just mean, about certain parts of your life and it, it, that's not a problem with those books but they shouldn't they don't want to i, I don't want them to like they they should do what they're doing they're but more I, strictly novels right they're more strictly novels this is a myth it's meant to constantly be thought over and considered and referenced again and again and again and again no matter where you are um but that's weird that's just not really what novels are supposed to do right myths are supposed to do that novels aren't but it does that. Yeah, um, it's it's absolutely a masterpiece. And yeah, I think my actually what it, my argument for why it would be considered a masterpiece, like what makes it make the cut in my book is is that very it's uh it is uh reached the point of it's uh presenting myth, right? And in doing so in such a um rich fashion, there it is uh, like you said, endlessly analyzable, and the reason is because the these ideas are not just things that Tolkien thought up himself and said, "Well, you know, I'll, I'll like tell, I'll say that." Right? It's that these ideas are ingrained in in our DNA. Right? It's it's our uh, human beings. This is these stories are things that we that are true for us, like the the story of the hero. These you know, uh, are things that we, we come up with names for. Like maybe it was Elia, the hero's journey, right? Like, and we come up with a name for it, but like, besides yeah, just say, kind of like a Carl Jung, Joseph Campbell thing going on. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like we'll come up with like, you know, names for this stuff, but you know, just the themes themselves, like whatever, how you choose to chop them up or uh, present them, those things are bigger than just a particular story. And so things that we're analyzing here, like Tolkien may have himself, like probably for the, like, uh, I mean, as genius as he was, some of it he may not have considered, right? Like, they are just naturally part of what this is, right? Um, so, uh, endlessly analyzable because it's dealing with something that's, um, like, it's, it's uh, myth is larger than a particular story that, uh, or it's larger than a particular idea that one person puts down on paper, um, yeah. And it's and like you said, it's uh, somehow mixes both a narrative, um, like a like a novel, uh, like novel and and a myth. Um, somehow mixes them both together, and it's also about that, right? Like it's also meta yeah. in the sense that like it's also saying also uh, uh, the theme, a big theme of the book is hey, uh, myth is really important. 
Um, and yeah. you need to incorporate it in like it, with your life. Um, so everything is myth, right? Yeah. Um, like this story is myth, which then makes you question. I just said those novels that I liked, you know, didn't have that quality, but maybe they, sh- maybe they could, maybe I could go back and read them that way in a way. And Lord of the Rings kind of invites you to do that, right? That, that yeah. all stories are part of the, the greater myths and stuff. I do want to say that it's, I don't mean to suggest this is the only novel that acts like this. Right? I certainly am. But I, fair enough. Only then. book that's ever done that. <laughs> if you, if you dare as touch another book, <laughs> turn off this. Why well, read anything else? Quite frankly. Um, no, but I don't mean to suggest that. I just think, um, but I do think, <laughs> um, <laughs> But I do think <laughs> uh, that it's pretty rare. Uh, I also think it's especially rare in the like English language books, English language novels, to do that. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think it's really the trend. I do think, right, like when you think about the big epic novels, a lot of them are actually not English language, right? Um, we think a lot about the Russians. We think War and Peace, mm-hmm. Brothers Karamazov, Anna Karenina. Maybe the French, you know, with... Uh, Things like Les Miserables or, you know, Count of Monte Cristo or something like that. Sure. It's just not as common in English to write these big epic ones that really invites you to to think more universally, holistically, things like that. So I think it stands out for that reason. It, and it feels weird, again, for that reason. Right. It's just not common, I think, for our art books to do that. Um, so and like so, that and when you're saying English, you mean specifically England, like from that? No, I'm saying specifically the English language. Okay. Like as in whether the whole American, English, yeah. Australian, okay. yeah, the whole yeah. yeah, the whole Anglophone region, um, gotcha. whole Anglophone world. I don't think really writes many books like that. Um, and and when we do, they tend to be kind of like they just tend to be kind of different, right? So you know, we can think about things like James Joyce writing Ulysses, yeah, was, and thinking, just based yeah. on its title. I mean, obviously, it's trying to be like a sort of modern epic in a way, right? Um, but in doing so, is decidedly unepic, right? Lord of the Rings doesn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, Walt Whitman with Leaves of Grass tried to write like the American epic, but he meant poetically more so than like event wise, or I guess, right? Yeah. Like Leaves of Grass is very much, there's, it's very mundane, right? Deliberately so, right? It's the mundane set to uh, verse. So he took that aspect, but I think Tolkien preserved the actual sort of epic, legitimately epic universality stuff, put it in a novel not many english language writers have done that right that's what i would say yeah so shall we i would like to well, do we, go ahead i got one more thing to say on this uh the last point i want to say about this is that um the book ended up being so good despite the fact that it was not the book tolkien wanted to write interesting i, I, gotta, yeah. I, I stole this i saw somebody make this comment on some subreddit recently and I never thought about it that way. I thought it was brilliant. And I wrote it down. I said, I got to talk about some podcasts. Brilliant. But they made the, you know, this person made the point that Tolkien did not want to write The Lord of the Rings. He didn't want to write a sequel to The Hobbit. He wanted to write The Silmarillion, right? So in, in The Hobbit itself wasn't necessarily his dream either. He, you know, wrote it down for his kids or he told it to his kids, came up with it that way, kind of wrote it down like, eh, whatever, here you go. And then it became his big success. So The Lord of the Rings is a sequel to a book that he didn't necessarily like want to write in the first place but he did and it was great and you still liked it but you know okay great they come to him for a sequel and he's like well can you do the silver really and they're like no that's not <laughs> what we mean we want a sequel to the hobbit so he's like, fine so he makes this weird compromise between the hobbit and the silver and you get this book 
And I think it's significantly better than The Hobbit and The Silmarillion, right? That oh, kind certainly. of yeah. combination. And that's what I think helped it become a masterpiece. And you get this, it's like the ultimate restriction, restrictions breed creativity. But I just think that's so fascinating, right? This is not, this book is not Tolkien unbound. This is Tolkien working within a box <laughs> that he has to work in. And out of that, we get brilliance. Whereas something like Silmarillion, great in its own right, but that's Tolkien unbound. That's Tolkien just freely doing whatever he wants. I think it's a lot weaker as a, as a text. Sure, yeah. It's not just suddenly. I mean, it's, it it's just not a masterpiece. I don't mean it's just as bad at all. By the way, just I certainly would agree. Like, I I read the similar and enjoyed it um, because I mean because at a certain point you realize that you are a um, a nerd and uh, that is the mm. type of thing that that you would enjoy reading, right? Um, yeah. Or you know that you're a Tolkien fan, right? So being a fan of this universe, you're going to read whatever. You read books about the book, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, certainly uh, not in my top ten. And Lord of the Rings, you know, is way up there for me. So we got a little more time. I want to we talk. Do. Yeah, I want to talk about. Uh, I like steer away from the book itself. I think we've covered yeah, most me too, of it. Yeah. What about, what about this podcast itself? Like, yeah, this was kind of like so. Maybe we'll like uh, crack open another beer and get into some. Yeah, no. Get into the behind the scenes. Uh, <laughs> I might legitimately need another beer. Yeah. Can we pause this for a minute? We can. Don't actually pause. Just think of this, folks, as, you know, if this were on, on podcasts that had the breaks and stuff, people take breaks, you have, you have an ad. Think of this as when, oh, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. I'm going to play an ad. I'll ad lib one. Yeah, ad lib an ad. Sure. While I get a beer. I'm going to definitely not listen to this one. So take my headphones off, get in a beer, definitely not listen to Pip. Don't want to hear this. Uh, and I'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to make your own website? Well, you can't. It's impossible. All right, I'm back. Okay. Uh, I couldn't think of anything funny. So, <laughs> Alas. Uh, uh, surprise! Well, I'll edit that out. <laughs> just edit it <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's talk about the, uh, the podcast itself. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually, uh, dear readers, we, we started this podcast. It was actually an idea. Uh, one of our friends, Travis, uh, and you, Charlie, you two were doing a, you were going to do a podcast about the Lord of the Rings film, the Peter Jackson yeah. adaptation, um, because it was, what was it, 15 year anniversary? It was like the 15 year yeah. anniversary at the time, yeah. And we tried that. Like the three of us got together and we, mm. and we recorded a couple apps. We recorded a couple episodes and uh, I had fun doing it, but I think there was, I think it just, it was difficult. Uh, the format wasn't right, where right? I think a an analysis of a movie you really do need images, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, like something like a video essay or a YouTube series would have been, yeah. So it would have been so much better. Um, but we liked doing it. We liked talking about Lord of the Rings for a long time. I I had thought like, oh, you know, it'd be cool like a website where like all this stuff we mention in casually, like, oh, you know, what's really cool is like when Gandalf does this. It's like. You know, the fire is like the flame imperishable. That's something you might not have noticed. I was like, oh, we could make a website full of those little things. And then we said, well, why don't we just, why don't we just record yeah. a podcast per episode? And we started thinking about the format. Yeah, we did. And, and uh, something you pushed for was keeping episodes short. And I, and I, my power is waning. <laughs> You're, well, this is special substantially here. Uh, <laughs> but your your initial pitch was for fifteen minute episodes. 
Um, and we ended up with about 20. That's right. Was the limit we set. And uh, we said 20 unless it was sort of a special uh, episode. And we had a number of the special episodes. Um, but in general, we did stick to about between 20 to 25, which was really the right call. Uh, so recently, in preparation for this final episode, I actually sort of binged through the whole series. It's really bingeable because we kept it short. I think that was a brilliant move. Thank you. It also kind of had to be short anyway. You don't take too much credit here, Pip, because <laughs> if we're going chapter by chapter, you just have some chapters you don't want to know. Some of them, yeah. You don't have more than 20 minutes to say <laughs> or things to say. So, But that really was, was the right call. And yeah, I, I'm really glad we did it. I feel like we did something pretty unique. I haven't found a podcast Maybe there are now, but when we started this, I couldn't find a podcast that quite fit what we were doing and like wanted to do, right? I couldn't quite find like a sort of chapter by chapter, in-depth, uh, thematic breakdown like that. Like I think a lot of them grouped chapters, yeah. the read-throughs online, yeah. um, or commentaries online, grouped chapters, um, which is great. Like that's definitely a way to do it. Well, it's kind of the way you would do a course, right? Like if you were doing yeah. a... A class on the Lord of the Rings, you couldn't do sixty plus uh, individual classes, right? Yeah, a lot of them too were just way too hung up on. I mean, credit like they're free to do this, and that's great, and there's an audience for it. But so many podcasts are very hung up on the legendarium stuff. Yeah, right. In a way that I'm, I just didn't care. Um, a lot of them are hung up on sort of this sort of Tolkien cult stuff. By which I mean to say, there's this sort of hero worship of tolkien in a way tolkien scholarship is guilty of this too by the way there if you go to any tolkien academic panel uh, and hear people present papers there's just way too much discussion on what the man himself thought and believed and could he have thought this and that and blah 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 and i don't know there just wasn't enough uh emphasis i felt in any of the podcasts i could find on the lord of the rings text the work itself its themes yeah. the work itself right yeah not the man tolkien right not the mythos behind it but what's the text say uh so i think we did uh, a good job yeah i getting that out. i really did i enjoyed uh sort of the format that we ended up yeah i think i think a lot of things that worked for me i think we settled on a good format and you know i think uh our different backgrounds helped out too Big time, yeah. Yeah, where you actually have a you have, you actually have a real knowledge in the subject, and I'm reading the book. <laughs> um, no, no, if anything, no. I thought you were the better reader. Oh, you were you uh, you had um, you're a much better close reader than I am. Or yeah, I, I feel like you pick up on the themes, but in the close details better than I do a lot of times. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, but I mean, for for our readers, I think we mentioned your actual background, like you. You have a master's degree in uh, uh, medieval studies. I have a master's degree in medieval literature. I uh, currently teach Latin, uh, so I'm pretty familiar with the ancient Mediterranean literature as well. And all that stuff was very uh, influential on this book. So (laughs) uh, I can kind of talk about all that and say, you know, here's how it shows up. Um, uh, And that's also, by the way, how I knew Becky and Luke, two of our guests, <laughs> because right. I met them doing those programs. Becky, who um, has not uh, accepted my Facebook friend request, <laughs> mm, who is currently ranks shame. Uh, yeah, uh, last on my list of guests that we've had <laughs> because of this. Um, Becky, if you're listening, you need to accept and just, this friend request. Yeah, <laughs> just just do it. Um, but yeah, I, I just wants to connect. <laughs> just wants some human connection in this dark time. So yeah, I, I actually I I like that uh, 
that play between you and I because it's you know someone someone who's really a subject matter expert and someone who maybe is just kind of a an outsider uh you know mm. to the literature world um uh at least not having you know studied literature you know uh specifically in in my studies um I liked it I thought it was fun it was yeah uh I learned um, some stuff so Good, yeah, me too. What uh, if you had? What are your what are your favorite moments from the podcast? Pippa? Favorite moments? Remember? Did you remember? Oh, I, I remember any favorite moments. Well, there was the, the being threatened by NPR. <laughs> what, a uh, <laughs> what a great moment! And having to like figure out it if we're... is like somewhat evidence that we've made it in some way. It really, like, is. I don't know how much of an audience we have. We could have none or a big. I have no idea. We decided um, to to just change our name to not not worry about it. But um, yeah, I a lot of our uh, <laughs> a lot of our listen, a lot of my friends said suggested that uh, I mean you know they uh, that we fight it. That's actually kind of a um, a chicken and uh, a pig situation where like a chicken and a pig are opening a restaurant and they trying to figure out what to serve for breakfast and they say well chicken says bacon and eggs, right? Okay, uh, I haven't heard this. Okay. <laughs> Well, the chicken has less stakes in it, so any friend saying, "Well, uh, yeah, you should totally get sued," like, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was um, easy for them to all say that. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here staring at like, I'm a teacher. I don't make much money. <laughs> I, uh, right. Uh, it's like also like afford to deal with this. Even if we could, really. even if we could, like, then we don't like we don't win st- stuff. We just don't change our name. Like, is not worth like. Anyway, it was my favorite moment. Yeah. Uh, felt like we made it. I, I liked, uh, I, we got new equipment. Um, you bought me this really nice microphone and, yeah. and that, that, I don't know. It felt, I was touched. Um, legitimately. Oh. Uh, I, uh, well, I, you kind of outdid me there cause you go, flew go me down to your, <laughs> you flew me down oh, to see true. you so we could record the, the Grey Havens episode in person together. Yeah. So, it was worth it. It'll bounce out in the end, yeah. Well, you, I mean, for, our, you know, you've done a lot of labor editing these all together. Yeah, yeah. Because so. um, I still do old school, yeah. Apparently, we could have been doing this whole time on sites like Anchor.fm, which would make editing, like, a million times easier. Wow. But, so I didn't need you but, at all. <laughs> but, no, disadvantage to that is uh, I think I was pretty, I don't know, detailed in my editing, right, and very careful. And uh, so I think the episodes were a lot smoother than they would have been otherwise, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I, I did want to thank you for... I, was, I had much higher standards. I was like, abs- you know, dumb, dumb. yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Oh, no, I just I want to thank you for being a guest on so many of my episodes here. <laughs> mm, I think you're famous my <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that's true. Everyone I talk to is like, oh, yeah, like, uh, can you send me a link to Charlie's podcast? <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments. Yeah, it was, it was somebody at the reunion, at our high school reunion yeah. said that to you. Uh, that's one of my favorite moments. I love that one. Thanks. Uh, it cracks me up. No, um, I think my favorite moment in the actual, in terms of recorded moments for the podcast, I think my favorite moment is still when we're giving our favorite lines in the Council of Elrond episode, and I go first, and then you go, and we pick these legit lines, and Dennis comes in and starts reading the ring poem. <laughs> <laughs> when he prefaces it, he says, "I'm going to pick one that people might have noticed or picked up on." <laughs> one ring to rule them all. Or 
I think that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, um, my favorite episode, though. I mean, since I've been through this recently, I can kind of talk about that. Yeah. I don't know if I have a single one. We tended, we had good episodes for, uh, as I recall, actually, I kind of made that list because I sent you that list earlier, remember? My favorite episodes in general uh, I had here, I think our Journey in the Dark episode was really good. Did you go back and listen to that one? Yeah. I also really liked, even earlier than that, actually, uh, I really liked the Flight to the Ford episode. Okay. I remember enjoying that. Breaking the Fellowship. We did really good stuff there. Riders of Rohan. Really good. King of the Golden Hall. Passage of the Marshes. The Window on the West. Choice of Master Samwise had us going to Switzerland. Yes. Uh, uh, so actually, maybe that's my favorite. Oh, moment. yeah. We, we did. We went to Lauterbrunnen in Switzerland, which is yeah. where Tolkien got the inspiration for... Well, that's... It's Rivendell. It's Rivendell. I, necessarily yeah. that he was inspired, but he, it's... Uh, that's that his illustration his Rivendell illust- is yeah. louder running yeah right absolutely that was a great and then we did that sort of on location mm-hmm. podcasting and those church bells were going off right when we started that was cool so they're in the background which is crazy cool yeah uh, so that was a great moment and just a great trip uh in general yeah battle of Pelnor fields episode was really good with becky she uh she did a really good job uh in that keeping us uh on point um the land of shadow Really good. So I think those are my favorite episodes. I, yeah. I actually have not listened to a single episode because I'm terrified of what my voice yeah. sounds like. Um, but I, from my memory, um, I think we did a pretty good job with Fog on the Barrow Downs. I don't remember if that was yeah. pre-Good Microphones or post. It was. It was. So good Mike, good Mike doesn't come in until Journey in the Dark. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well... I, I thought uh, I thought Bridge, Bridge of Khazad-dûm was good. Uh, oh, actually, no, maybe Journey in the Dark is what I'm thinking of, because I, I remember having like uh, it, it's actually it's <laughs> thinking now. It's really hard to separate my favorite chapters from favorite. Um, I was doing that too when I was just reading I, off my favorite episodes. Like well, maybe it's just cause uh, those are my favorite chapters. I do think we had a lot of good stuff to say in Mount Doom. Yeah, that was a good episode. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think it's actually like it really doesn't get called out enough that frodo fails right um yeah but uh yeah actually you know uh, that maybe it's a good segue um this podcast it's it's really surreal like thinking that it's it's over um yeah it's such a big step for me personally getting over the fear of not being perfect right where i Mm. record something and then it's going to be out the internet and people will hear it and i'll never get to go back and say like well you know let me just fix it right I like in the first, I would say, book maybe. I like just reading, doing this uh, like a, a recording. I, I was super, super anxious, and like we would have to actually stop recording, and I like have to compose myself and like do it again. But just doing it over and over again, and uh, just practice. It's been really great. Not letting perfect be the enemy of good. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For what it's worth, though, I can go back and change some of these things if we ever need. <laughs> Right, I could yeah. replace the file. I guess uh, I would upload. I did. I had to do that a couple of times. There was one episode in book one that was the audio levels were wrong, mm. and I didn't notice. And I went back and fixed that. And then I remember there was one episode that I th- I messed up one thing in the very final thing I edited with it, and it desynced our two audio tracks. Oh, that's kind of funny. And it was up online, and I didn't. I left it there for like a week. And uh, a woman I was dating at the time called me out. She said, "I listened to your podcast." 
something's up with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fucking bad. It's really bad. I mean, you know, it was awful. No, uh, but yeah, she was like, it's, it seems weird. It's like, well, you know, it's kind of inherently weird because uh, it's a weird book. Uh, no, but actually, yeah, she pointed out, I went back, it's like, ah, shit. Uh, so I fixed that. Uh, I was able to re-upload that, I remember. So that can happen. I can yeah. fix. I go back and just delete all your parts. You could. Um, well, great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, what, so what was your process anything you would... for like how did you, how did you handle a chapter like because i know how i did it but like how did yeah, you prepare I, what, what did you do i would read the chapter usually the day of uh sometimes i read it throughout the week before but usually the day of uh realistically i'm just it's during the school year i'm pretty busy during the week it's hard to read too much for fun uh on weekdays um during the school year at least uh, so usually read the day of, I would read the Lord of the Rings Reader's Companion to s- see if there's anything I'd not seen, so to speak. Um, yeah. And I would just make notes on Notepad on my computer where I would sort of just type out the various topics I wanted to hit on. I think one thing you and I did well is, you know, it's very unscripted, right? I, so to speak, and by which I mean, like, we didn't even know what each other would say beforehand. Yes, which I think was really important. So yeah. I would write these all down. I would have no idea what you're going to talk about, but it's like, here's what I'm going to talk about. Um, and we'll build on that. And that was really cool because we always, we almost always end up talking about pretty different things and finding different things in the chapter. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Sometimes we did, right? Sometimes there would be a line in a chapter that was just so conspicuously meaningful or beautiful that we'd, yeah, we'd I mean, like, oh, it's not that we something always we have, yeah, have but, to talk about, right? But, yeah. um, but we often just really had different stuff that we wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. My, I mean, what's your process? My process, like similar to yours, I would, uh, I would read it the day of, like immediately before. So right. I would carve out an hour before each. Uh, yeah, each you'd one. read it right before the episode. Oh yeah, so I like I usually wouldn't do that. I usually read it, like in the morning and re- we'd record it at night or something. You know. Yeah. Um, you would read it right before. Right before, uh, and then I would just like on my laptop make notes as we were doing it, that's, and that's the process. That's, that's I, the process. That's <laughs> a little bit behind the scenes moments. Yeah. Hey, is there anything you would change? Anything I would change podcast? now that it's done? Is there anything so, you would change? So you regret. Sometimes I think people say that it was good. I sometimes I wonder if we had too much of a like a teaching com- like tone in our voices rather than like a like some people enjoy podcasts where it's kind of like just people hanging out, but we mm-hmm. I think we were more like like we were more conveying information rather than just. I mean, we're kind of just hanging out now, but uh, I don't know. I, I yeah. so I wonder. I, I like. Uh, I don't necessarily have an opinion. But I wonder if if people craved more, like, more of this behind the scenes kind of us just hanging out. I think I don't know. I think it was good though. Yeah. That we... Well, I think we were, you know, we were less casual than one might expect in podcasts. But we were limited by the time, and I think we made the call that the yeah. the short time limit was more important than sort of a casual atmosphere. And so, it, yeah, like there are episodes that it's you know there's just no time for us to sit here and banter. Cause we just have a lot to talk about yeah. and we just got to get through it. And even when and we did probably that. cut it to, to just for yeah, time. I mean, right? I yeah. actually did. Yeah. I yeah. would cut a lot of that stuff sometimes. Um, so, you know, you're not wrong. It's, it's probably a question of taste and stuff and, and what people would prefer, but it is what it is. Yeah. I, um, for me, I have three things that I would go Ooh. back and change. What would you change? Um, so two, I think are just pretty obvious. Like I think when we started, I should have bought you that mic before we started. Yeah. And just had that commitment to the tech earlier and not, you know, a book and a half into it. Two, 
owning up on some of the bad chapters, like binging through it. I could tell when we didn't like a chapter because you can tell we're like, ugh. And then, like, I remember the White Rider episode specifically. I listened to that and I'm like, wow, we really didn't like this chapter. But we don't say that until the end. So if you're just listening along, you're thinking, what's up with these guys? This chapter, this episode sucks. Mm. And it's not till the end that we just admit we didn't like this chapter. Right. <laughs> so we're not enthusiastic and we're not, we're just really scrounging for things. And if I wish we had owned up to that earlier in the episode. Like, right, like as a warning of, yeah, we don't even like this one. This might not be great, but we're going to try and see what we can find. So I do wish we had done that. Um, the last one to me is the weirdest thing. I wish, and I, I wish that I didn't have to wish this, so to speak. I think it's the weirdest thing. But I wish that we were clearer in our description of the podcast as a whole. Hmm. I don't think we had to be, but apparently we did because... <laughs> The number of people that I told this podcast about that then told me that they thought, oh, so it's just you reading out loud the text of the Lord of the Rings <laughs> with your friends is just way too high. Which, and I would say that I would tell them that they said I said, well, no. <laughs> and, and what I wanted to say is, what do you think a podcast is? Yeah, right. Maybe they should know what a podcast was, but I, I just couldn't help but think that's just an audiobook. Why would I? record an audiobook yeah you know what i mean so i don't necessarily know the answer to this like i don't necessarily know off the top of my head what would be a better way to clear clearly describe this or convey the purpose of this podcast but apparently the word read through suggested an audiobook which i just can't even imagine because who would record an audiobook and then not call it that <laughs> on their own and then not call it they call it a podcast i have no who idea who would record an audiobook thing. with their friend <laughs> with their friend yeah it was just the weirdest thing. Um, so, yeah, I just can't help but wonder if I knew enough people in real life that thought that for some reason, how many potential listeners mm. did we lose, right, that that wouldn't listen to it but thought, I, I don't want to listen to people just reading read out the Lord text. Of the <laughs> so yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, so I kind of regret that, I guess. Um, but I never would have anticipated that. Yeah. that I mean, that's just one of those things, like. Yeah. Is what it is. On that note, then I, I think I am set. I'm looking at my notes, looking at my notepad. I've got nothing else. Text file on the computer, and we have done it. We've reached the end. Um, only thing I have left is I, I want to one last time. It's been so long since we did one of these. One last time, uh, I want to highlight some shit said about Tolkien. Ah, uh, yes. One of my because this <laughs> is a good still note. one of the endlessly entertaining <laughs> things to me are the weird things people say about this book. And again, they probably haven't actually read it. Some of them have, and you know, the weirdness just didn't work for them. Totally get it. I said back in the intro episode, I would this is my favorite book, and I never recommend it to people. <laughs> uh, you ever come to me a book recommendation? I just never say this, and I never would, because um, uh, I just don't. You know, I can see why you wouldn't like it, but. I don't think these people actually have legitimate things. And I'm going to give you an example. Uh, this is an article by um, Cracked.com. <laughs> published in 2013. Uh, it's, the title of the article is Five Famous Writers with Flaws Everyone Tries to Ignore. And our, our boy J.R. Tolkien is on this list for The Lord of the Rings, specifically, by the way. Uh, and it says that Tolkien's flaw that everybody tries to ignore is long-winded diversions in elvish <laughs> which is factually not true the amount of times elvish is spoken here for more than 
two, three, four lines, I think is zero. I mean, it, when it comes up, it is very, very brief. They are not long-winded diversions. It is tiny, negligible. I have no idea what this person is talking about. Are you trying about. to cover that up? Well, yeah, I'm trying to ignore <laughs> it. So I guess it? that's what happened. Oh, my gosh, this guy called it out. So I, it turns out I ignored it for two years and a couple months. And through 63 episodes, 64 episodes, or whatever it is, of a podcast, I just ignored it every time. Yeah, it's really weird that he says this. Then the the article also I, I don't have time to read the whole thing. You can look this up if you want. But uh the way what he says is he says Tolkien created entirely new languages for his imaginary little dudes to speak, and speak it they did during lulls and the exciting adventures and orc murders and thou shall not passes. The Fellowship of the Ring liked to set up camp and sing songs to each other a whole fucking bunch of times. But which yeah, not necessarily wrong, except and it's also, not elvish, as the person says. <laughs> Gandalf also doesn't say you shall not pass. He says you cannot pass. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's yeah, the person didn't read the book. And then he says, This is what's weird. He says, um, and that's ignoring the character of Tom Bombadil, who is problematic to put him on. <laughs> I've never heard somebody take the stance that Tom Bombadil is problematic. <laughs> and I just, and I really want, I wish he could expand on this. this. He doesn't. He just says, he just says, he sings a bunch of stupid fucking songs. He literally says that, by the way, I'm quoting. Yeah. And then disappears. And that's all he says about him. I want an in-depth article on this. I want to know how Tom Bombadil is problematic in The Lord of the Rings, right? Like, well, maybe... is he, is he racist? Like, is this revealing... <laughs> Tolkien, wait, is this revealing the book's latent, I don't know, imperialist mindset? I want to know. Why is Tom Tom Bombadil? I wonder if it, yeah. I wonder if he's not using capital P problematic. (laughs) He must not, Yeah, he must just mean that. (laughs) Yeah. He he must just mean bad. (laughs) (laughs) Still, um, anyway. Well, I I have one more too. Okay. I, uh, this is this is uh, sort of a it summarizes all the things that we th- the shit said about Tolkien running themes, right? Are all summarized in this one comment by one Reddit user. It's just all here uh, in one. So I'm gonna, I'm going to read him. Uh, this is what he says. <laughs> I like the Hobbit. <laughs> right off the bat, <laughs> I like the Hobbit. It's a simple story well told. The same cannot be said for his other work that I've tried. Uh, I somehow worked my way through all of Silmarillion. Excuse me, he says Cimmerillion. Uh, but when I gave the trilogy a shot, I gave up somewhere in the Two Towers, I think. It's kind of hard to tell because the whole series is this kind of gray sludge that stretches out towards infinitude. By which I think he means infinitude there, but like imagine it has to do with babies or something. Infantude. Um, no one acts or speaks like a real person, so it's impossible to care about any of them. You can't really hate the villains either, since in Middle-earth, evil is an absolute trait that you either have or you don't. Most seem to be born with it, and those that aren't, like Sauron, seem destined to get it. Since evil isn't a choice, no one is evil in a <laughs> meningful way, or good for that matter. Or good for that matter. In a world of absolute predestined morality, there is no morality. Everyone is just a puppet acting out a play, Dedited by Iluvatar in advance. Wow. And even if we did care about any of the puppets, everything is so predictable that there is no tension at all. As Epic Rap Battles aptly put it, you can tell what's going to happen by page and age five. For all that, I think it's the pacing that really does it in. It is, after all, the main difference between The Hobbit, which is a good book, and all the other <laughs> The Hobbit, where there's some, like, characters with, like, questionable moral, like... (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) 
Um, I remember at one point in Lord of the Rings when the gang is in Rivendell and Boromir tells everyone about his trip. Not only does his little anecdote drag on forever, it also does not contribute to the story or his character in any way. You could take the whole thing out and the book would only be better for it. So in summary, Tolkien badly needed an editor. He just hit every, he checked every, yep, box, every box of the running shit, right? Hobbit's better. Um, there's no good and evil. Everybody's like, it's black or white morality, which is just so factual. Again, just factually doesn't happen in the book. I don't know how to answer those people too, right? Like, how do I, what do you say? Right? It's just so, you, it's you so just, absurd on its face. You that can't you say just, Like, what? Like, did you read it? I just don't want to tell you. He, the but, whole thing is about temptation to, <laughs> for, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, like, one of the characters you could point to is someone like Boromir. He talks about Boromir in the comment. He paid <laughs> attention to Boromir. And he still says, it's amazing. Um, we have to set then, the record straight. Uh, dear listeners, uh, we actually liked The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. we should. We should I, mean, so, yeah. Yeah, like, I love The Hobbit. We, That's a great it was book. a great book. Yeah. I mean, it's a kid's book. We read it when we were kids. And, like, yeah, you could you could go read back and read yeah. it, and you'd probably still enjoy it. It's great now. It's still good. But. But. This. <laughs> uh. It's not better than Lord of the Rings. No, it's not. And it's it's also, it's. I mean, it is also a book for children. It's a book for children. The Which reason we think most people online say they like The Hobbit and then are baffled they don't like Lord of the Rings is because most people don't know how to read very well <laughs> or something. It's just got to be it. I just can't, I, I'm just kind of baffled otherwise for why, why you would, would pick it. I mean, they are kind of different genres right so i guess if you're someone who's really into the style of oh i really want like most lighthearted kind of books possible and like that's sure. what i'm all about like yeah like you would like the hobbit more so like there are cases like that but i think for the most of these people they're just they don't read much right maybe i guess that's mean what do i mean no i mean that's that, that can be true and it's like fine well, i'm gonna be mean apparently yeah, yeah. people yeah but they, they just don't read much i think i don't know what to tell them um, and then I think the people that do read much, well, that's, <laughs> uh, the people that read, <laughs> um, they that don't like the Lord of the Rings for these weird reasons. It's because they didn't actually read it. Yeah, they can't. Re- I remember there was an episode we read a shit said about Tolkien that, and the shit was actually by an author. Like clearly, the guy knows his stuff. It just sounded like he hadn't actually read the book, though. Yeah, I think right. Like, there's a lot of sense of engaging with your idea about the book or like the pop culture on the book. Yes, the impression of the book. You know, it, it's a book. It's a book that everybody knows exists, and so a lot of times you think you know what it's like, but you actually yep. have no idea. But yeah, you, so you criticize the thing that you think it is, because um, rather than actually read it. I mean, I actually, you know, we do another thing we should say is we we do like the film, the Peter Jackson films. Um, oh yeah, I love, love those movies, yeah. right? But if you go into reading Lord of the Rings thinking you are going to see the movie uh yeah. in the book it's is not the same i mean like yeah i think peter jackson did a great job of making a film based on a book but it's uh it's not the same it's different it's different you yeah. get a different mood well and it's even the whole book is so different from what modern fantasy became too like for all its influence on modern fantasy the book itself is radically different from modern fantasy and so i think if you are into fantasy and you go read Lord of the Rings, you might be surprised at what you're seeing. It's not what you would think it is. Yeah, we talked a bit about this at the beginning of the episode, but uh, book two is kind of the most formulaic, so to speak. It wasn't at the time, but you know, it's the one that I think you would look at now and say it's formulaic for modern fantasy. But the other ones are kind of weird, right? 
book one especially, which is, means a lot because that's what you start with. Right. <laughs> you start with book well, one. Well, hopefully you could start you with expect. The, you could start with concerning hobbits too. Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't so, do that. <laughs> I never recommend it. With the few times I recommend people read this book, I always try to tell them like, don't read the prologue, just go to chapter one because <laughs> he won't like it. It's just weird. Some people love that stuff though, I guess. But yeah, it it, uh, it it's a book that people have an idea of what it's about but the, the actual text is a lot weirder than you think and um i'll leave it at that do you have any do you have any uh anything you want to say to our our readers if you have listened this far thank you number one i'm grateful yeah i'm impressed that you, this far, <laughs> that you could put up with us this far um Especially if you don't know us, by the way. Special shout out to our listeners who are not our friends, right? It's one thing if you already, for some reason, or enjoy our us. Family you know, members, or family members. But if you don't know us, yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually listen to all this this all the way, uh, thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, it means a lot to me. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, we really enjoyed it. Even if nobody listened to it, I'm really glad we did it. Uh, it's been really meaningful for me. It's been this fascinating bit of constancy through the past two years and some months yeah no matter what's going on in my life i always had the podcast uh it's gonna be hard to let go it's gonna be a bit of a relief for a while <laughs> i'm gonna enjoy not editing some of these episodes yeah uh for a while but it is it's uh it's hard to let go just because it's just been such a such a presence um and, and it is crazy to think about like what has changed uh since then at least for me and it's frustrating because it's not something i can say to the audience what has changed necessarily because in terms of the sort of measurable aspects of my life nothing has i actually still live in the same town and i still work the same job right like so on the surface level like nothing's really changed in my life uh so i can't really sit here and tell the audience right what's changed it's all sort of internal and i just it's hard to express that kind of stuff but um it's been really take my word for it it's really enjoyable to have something that constant throughout throughout you know over years as you undergo certain changes and this and that so yeah yeah i guess i i would also say thank you to to our our readers uh and you know i guess something that that i would say is no one has to give you permission to create something i think there is this idea for just most people that you know art is made by you know, if you want to make a painting, well, you have to get a, a painter's license, right? You have to go, you know, go become an artist and have people tell you, okay, it's it's okay for you to do this, right? And nobody has to. Uh, if you want to create something, I say just start. It will be probably really difficult, especially if you're uh, used to uh, doing well on something or being a perfectionist, um, where you just, you can't, right? Like, you're just going to have to deal with that. But just go create. I thought it's interesting for me to think about, you know, how, like, why do we know about certain books? We know about certain books, like, we have we had the opportunity to read The Lord of the Rings, a masterpiece, right, that has affected our lives, because people uh, who read it decided to tell other people, and they, you know, wrote, uh, wrote about it, and they um, made art about it, people made movies about it because they liked it um or you know uh they're for me it was interesting to think oh yeah like uh uh it's okay i'm just gonna help carry that torch right like you and i uh charlie we like yeah this book is really good and it's worth 
just contributing to the shared culture of the little piece that we do here helps uh, maybe one more person who can read this book in the future because we're just carrying it, making it a part, a permanent part of the culture. Well, I don't dare I say permanent, right? Having just read the Lord of the Rings, but you know, right. we bear that, to, carry the torch for a little while. Um, so I would say yeah. to any of our listeners, uh, yeah, no one can give you, you don't need permission to create things. Just, just go ahead and do it. Just get started. Absolutely. Um, well, we've been sitting here talking for like two hours. Yeah. This is easily our longest episode. It felt pretty long when Dennis was here, but, but I do think this yeah, is. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, I think I will, I will say goodbye. Yeah. I can't say see you next time anymore. Yeah. All right, folks. Um, watch this space. I'm not necessarily giving up on podcasting forever. I will say that. But even if we do something with this uh, specific show uh, again, it's uh, you know going to be something different. So look out. We'll think about it. We'll consider our options and what we want to do. But we're definitely going to take a good long break before yes. we do anything else. Um, we're getting on that boat. We're getting on that boat, taking a long break. Watch the space in case something comes up. We'll keep you posted. But otherwise, take care. Go back and uh, read Lord of the Rings again. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>